10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Tifda. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, Friday morning breakeritos. First week down after half term and we are hurtling towards the weekend. I'm Dorian Brown, it is Friday the 4th of November. Nous sommes L-A-V-E sur Teachers Talk Radio. Today we are talking subject associations, managing workload and exploring some of the goings on at COP26. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Salve, one and all. There are no more sleeps until the weekend. It starts in but a few hours, and I do not know about you, but this week it has really felt like the last week of a term rather than the first one. Um, But hey-ho, we rest up and we go again on Monday. The good news is now that it is officially November, which means next month is officially December. And with the end of Halloween and yesterday's release of the John Lewis seasonal advertisement, we can now officially begin the countdown to Christmas and the winter break. It has been a busy week around the world. Happy Diwali to all celebrating yesterday and hope that you've all come down from the sugar high of too many gulab jamuns. Also this week, lots of noise coming out of Glasgow in various different shapes and form. The conference of the parties is well underway. There have been moving inspirational speeches from Sir David and Queen Liz and some rather awkward elbow bumping and mumbling from Number 10's very own. The headline announcement from the conference thus far is that we have agreed to not only stop but reverse deforestation. I really am hoping that this isn't all blah, 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 blah. And that some real tangible and visible actions and changes come from this. It's clear that the responsibility for implementation of changes lies with everybody from global organisations, transnational organisations and governments to local communities and individuals. I'm sure that we will touch more on this in detail with my guest today, but before I do introduce my guest, let us beam on over to the Word of the Week corner where my regular imaginary co-presenter, Susie Dent, spits salient words befitting of the week just past. Today's word is from the 16th century and it is respair. Fresh hope, a recovery from despair. On point, on topic and something I am sure that we are all hoping to feel a sense of, after this week. Now then, it is time for me to introduce my fantastic guest today to not only give your ears a break from my ramblings and mumblings, but to discuss the role of subject associations in our teaching and learning. I'm joined today by geographer Catherine Owen, who many of you will know as at Geogmum on Twitter. And to borrow from her Twitter bio, Catherine is Head of Geography and Sociology at TKASA and Jack and Megan's mum. Her pronouns are she, she, her. She chairs the G-A-I-S-I-G, more about that later. Uh, And she is a chartered geographer and she runs courses and writes for the Geographical Association, Oxford University Press and Hodder. 
So Catherine, Owen, thank you very much for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio this morning. Lovely to be speaking to you. Fantastic. Yes, great. And uh, the customary introduction, what we tend to do is uh, ask our guests to give us a little bit of a summary of, of, of who they are and how they got to uh, where they are now. So if you wouldn't mind obliging, please. Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm Catherine Owen. I am a uh, geography teacher and also very active in the geography community. Uh, it all started really when I was at um, secondary school. I had an uh, amazing geography teacher, uh, Mr. George, um, who I'm still in touch with. And um, he was just really inspirational. And so I decided I was going to go into um, teaching geography. I'd always wanted to be a teacher since I was a small child. Um, it was just something that I just felt was right. Even when I was little, I don't know if it's because I wanted to boss people around or um, <laughs> why it was, but even when I was only like three years old, my mum says, I always said, I'm going to be a teacher. So it was really, when I was in secondary school, I was just thinking, so what subject am I going to teach? And then Mr. George came along, really inspired me with his geography teaching. And so I decided to follow um, that path. And then there was a bit of a hiccup because when I was doing my A-levels, I did maths, physics, and geography A levels, and the one I didn't do very well on was geography. Geography. So, <laughs> so, that so um, <laughs> bit of a bit of a crunch then, deciding whether to stick with geography. But by that point, I was just totally enthralled by the subject, and so I'm um, back in those days. You applied to UCA and PCAS. You applied to University and Polytechnic. So I got a place at um, Plymouth Polytechnic, and went off to study geography. And while I was there it became Polytechnic Southwest and then became University of Plymouth. So I ended up with a university degree after all. And I'm really grateful for all the amazing experiences I had at Plymouth um, and then went into teaching. Um, loved it um, from when I first started. And um, I've always taught in the state sector. I've always taught in 11 to 18 schools, uh, teaching mainly geography. But over the years, I've also taught traveling tourism. I've taught um, a few other bits and bobs. I taught GCSE maths once um, wow. and I currently teach geography and I teach um, sociology at A-level. Now the thing is that I like teaching so I haven't really wanted to go the leadership route and get out the classroom and be in an office. So that leaves you with a bit of a question you know how are you going to keep yourself challenged? How are you going to keep um, learning and um, sounds a bit ridiculous but you know how you're going to keep learning and growing um so my subject associations have been what I've really um found has been the way to keep me learning keep me um challenging myself and so I joined the GA when I was in my very early years of teaching and then when I was probably around sort of late 20s I started to get more involved in the GA um started writing for the journal and yeah, now I do all sorts with the GA, I'm involved with the RGS, um, I write for some of the publishers. Um, it's great, it's kept me fresh and challenged. Wow, fantastic. It sounds many and varied and, and I, I absolutely love that actually, that the idea of, uh, yes, wanting to stay in the classroom and thinking that the leadership route isn't, isn't um it isn't the end the end of the um of the runway for, for for many people and if you've been teaching for a long time it's exactly that isn't it trying to keep yourself engaged trying to keep yourself fresh trying to keep yourself current um but also feeling that that kind of um 
that drive to contribute towards the 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 body of knowledge that uh, future generations will be learning about as well. So I think that's uh, that's that's really nice to hear that. And and actually, uh, do you know what? As well, I've I've spoken to a, a number of uh, teachers uh, on the show in the past, and. The 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 uh, there's not one person that has said that they've always wanted to be a teacher or <laughs> from 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 a very early age. So uh, there's normally a kind of a, a multitude of steps and routes and decisions and 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 trying things before people have gotten in, in, into teaching. So just can I just dig into that a little bit more? Were your parents teachers or anything, or what, what do you think specifically was the thing that um, that really kind of in, endeared you to to the profession? Well, um, my family's actually Cornish and comes to a place called Snorstall, where everybody pretty much worked in um, clay mining. And so uh, my dad joined the RAF, so he didn't have to work in clay mining. And um, so neither of my parents continued an education beyond um, 16, but um, they got out there and achieved so much by uh, you know, dad was in the RF, mum did her um, secretarial qualifications. And so whenever dad was moved to different places, she was easily able to get a job because she could, you know, do it all. She could do the shorthand and the touch typing and everything. Um, and then when my dad came out the RAF, um, we were um, at RAF locking and so settled in a place just south of Bristol. And um, my parents were just really encouraging for myself and my brother to um, throw ourselves into our educational opportunities. They hadn't necessarily had the greatest opportunities themselves. Mm. And so they were really keen for us to do well. And so I wonder if it's a little bit that, you know, I was brought up being told, you know, you're gonna go further in education than we, are, we have. <laughs> and education is really, really, really important. And so maybe that was what in my little toddler mind thought, Ah, oh, well, education is really important. I'll be a teacher. That's fantastic. And then, so probably not exactly what they meant per se, um, but it's fantastic that that you know that 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 uh, the will to do so and get involved kind of happened so early. And I, I think it's very important that you know that our, our that we we value education. It's good to hear that you know even sort of. Um, our, ex our families and our extended families really do um, value um, education. I've spoken again to a number of educators that 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 you know rightly have education up there as one of the of the most important tools or most important things uh, in the world to ensure the sustainability and uh, and and peace uh, for the future. And 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 so getting as many people into the into the profession as possible um, at, at as early as possible as well surely can only be good for the world in general. Um, so you've mentioned there as well, um, and this is the, the, the real, the theme of the show really, we want to be kind of looking at, at the importance of and the, um, the, the interest in becoming involved in various subject associations uh, that exist out there. Uh, so you've mentioned already the, the uh, Royal Geographical Society and the Geographical Association. Um, I believe you're a chartered geographer, if that's correct. Could you let us? So, if you could just give our listeners uh, a bit of an intro into into what a, what a chartered geographer is, um, what it involves, um, and how you found that experience. Right. Well, um, the thing is with geography, we're really lucky because we've got the Royal Geographical Society and we've got the Geographical Association. And the Royal Geographical Society is an enormous organisation. 
uh, which, um, you know, it goes back a long way in history. It was where the explorers would go when they were putting, you know, putting out maps on the tables and plotting where they were going to be going into the, you know, the deepest, darkest um, to them unknown. And um, so it's a massive organization with um, its fingers in lots of different pies. And what has happened in, I think it's about the last sort of 15 to 20 years, the Royal Geographical Society has got a lot more involved in um, education. And one of the ways they've done this is setting up the Chartered um, Geography Teacher Scheme. You can either be a Chartered Geographer or you can be a Chartered Geography Teacher. And um, so I, had been involved with the Geographical Association for a while, um, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then I thought, you know, let's see what the RGS has got on um, offer. And the Charter Geographer Scheme is just really nice because it's a way of um, challenging yourself to um, be involved in geography in different ways. It is about, um, you have to meet certain criteria so you have to think really think about and evaluate what you're doing but also it's something you have to each year you have to renew so you have to each year you have to send in a log which says what you've been doing um, so that you can renew being a uh, chartered geography teacher and um, it keeps you on your toes it makes you think it's um, about spending time developing things like curriculum ideas if you're a teacher it's about involvement with communities it's about involvement um, you know maybe in a national level thinking about things like you know writing and running courses it's really good to make you think it's an individual thing and with the geographical association there's a quality mark which is for your school and I could always talk about that later because my school mm, has yes. centre of excellence status for that but with the RGS the Chartered Geographer it's for yourself so mm. it was really nice to do it because it was a way to like sit down really think about what I do what I could improve on um, how I can challenge myself and like I say every year I need to um, reapply I need mm. to produce my log and show that I'm still engaged so it's nice if you have got you know your chartered status then people know that you are not someone who's just done this once 20 years ago and then go ah, mm. you know it's yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's someone yeah. who's current and involved yes and that's actually one of the the conversations i've had before about this idea that in in the uk sorry in in england um because it's different in scotland but you know you qualify with a pgc and that's it you, you know you, you in, in the US, you have to recertify every four years or so as a, to practice as a teacher. And so it's these things like the, um, the, the, the quality mark or the chartered geographer, et cetera, which really do, like you said, challenge and, and, and push you and, and make you think and make you think about how you can do what you've done last year better. Um, rather than do the same thing that you've done the last 20 years, uh, the same and, and same again. And I, I think if I'm right as well, that um, another good thing actually I think about the Chartered Geographer uh, programme is that you don't have to be a, a teacher as well. It's kind of open and accessible to anybody. Yes. Which, yeah. Yeah. You can be you could be a Chartered Geography teacher or you could be a Chartered Geographer. And so, like I say, with the RGS, they are an organisation which has got a very broad um view of geography so it's not just about education at all you know like I say mm. that's something that they've really developed um 
brilliantly in recent years. Um, but things like exploration and research, um, I was lucky enough to um, last week, I went to the RGS and um, had a little look around because I hadn't been there for a long, 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 long time. And, um, you know, they've got fantastic facilities there. They've got a massive library and you can um, go down and um, request different books. And there's a lovely reading room. So if you are a fellow, if you're a chartered geographer, you, you are automatically a fellow of the RGS. And so, you know, there's when you can actually get to London and um, get involved, there's um, fantastic opportunities there. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's something that I really think is really, uh, uh, as I said, a very strong thing because it's not it, it's not it's not demarcation lines in, in, in the thing in the way that this is just for teachers or this is just for non-teachers. No, you know, no, it's no. kind of it's, blurring the lines and, and yeah. involving everybody. In that everybody. reading room, you're going to have academics, you're going to have um, explorers, you're going to have teachers, you know, everybody there just is really nice, just um, linked by their love of geography. And um, I went to one of the Monday night lectures and it was my first time I've been to Monday night lecture. And um, so there was um, an opportunity to have a glass of wine beforehand. So I thought, well, it'd be rude not to. <laughs> and I sat down next to a lovely gentleman because um, I was there on my own in service. So I sat down and, and said hello and got chatting to him. And he was there because he's interested in exploration. And his um, great uncle was actually Oates, who was on the um, <clears throat> Arctic exploration with um, Scott. So I was like, wow. wow. So, you know, there's me, like a little geography teacher from Somerset, <laughs> that chatting to this um, gentleman, you know, whose family is so steeped in history of exploration. So, um, yeah, oh, so that's wow. what the RGS is like. You've got very, very different people, but mm. all joined together with that, you know, the thread of the love of geography. That's beautiful. And I, and, and I can only think, I can only start to think, and this is a question I was going to ask a little bit later, but I might roll it out now as a result of that, really. But uh, I'll... To what to what extent then does the uh, the sub to what extent do subject associations um, influence or have a say really on what is actually taught in in curricula in so let's say the national curriculum? You know that's that's an interesting one because I know that the RGS um, are involved in things like curriculum consultations as are the GA, mm. and um, I don't really know though I. Um, being a classroom teacher, I'm not in, um, I don't know if you've seen the musical Hamilton, but it just makes me think I'm not in the room where it happens. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I know the subject associations definitely get a say, but then of course yeah. there's lots of other people that get a say in the curriculum. Um, but I think what is really important the subject associations do is they help us to be able to design um, our own curriculum because everyone in the classroom is their own curriculum maker, aren't they? And mm -hmm. um, the national curriculum for geography is very brief. It's mm -hmm. just basically do rivers, do coasts. <laughs> you know, yes. it's, it's, it's not got a lot of depth to it. And so I think what the Geographical Association and the RGS are fantastic at doing is helping teachers to be able to create their own curriculum. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that I'm just fascinated by. Um, I'm really interested by people's context and how important it is to think about the curriculum framework that the government has come up with through its, like I say, you know, they're tucked away in a room somewhere coming up with that. But then you've got the GA and you've got the RGS and you've got the amazing um, 
geography community, which is very strong um, online, um, things like Twitter. And you've got people that are sharing so many ideas. But then what we need to do is we need to be able to evaluate those ideas and think about what is suitable in my context. Yes, That's absolutely. what I find really fascinating is, you know, you've got all, I keep talking to people about buffets, but you've got, you know, this immense <laughs> buffet in front of you. And which bits are you going to, you know, select that are going to be the best mm. diet for you? Yes, great. And, and yeah, you, you're right. And the national curriculum is very broad, is very kind of umbrella termy. Uh, and in different places, in different environments, um, people's individual situations are going to lend themselves to perhaps maybe different types of geographies. But I, I think if, I've, if I remember um, from Mark Entz's uh, first paragraph of one of his books, that if, if geography is everything, then geography is nothing. Um, so at some oh, point, <laughs> so at some yeah, point there has totally. to be this, this framework or, you know, if, if indeed that there is a buffet, uh, then there needs to be that kind of that, fr that consultation, that framework of what, what, what is served um, yeah, what is geography this buffet? Yeah, I, I actually ran a course for the Geographical Association for non-specialists who are teaching geography uh, last week and I started mm. with what is geography and I started with that quote from Mark Enser um, yes. and we thought about you know what makes something geographical. Uh, of course Margaret Roberts has done amazing work on um, on that you know so she just basically says where's the geography, where's the geography mm. in that. So, yeah, so it's having the buffet laid out in front of us, making sure that what we're taking from the buffet is appropriate for our subject area and then thinking about our own contexts um, as well. But I think the RGS and the GA um, play a massive role in helping um, people to make informed curriculum decisions. Yes, that's a really nice way to put it, actually, because if you go onto either of the websites, you know, you have got a wealth of resources, a wealth of, and, and, and there's active, like yourself, there's people active in those communities as well on, on, on social media, uh, you know, sharing ideas, sharing things. I, I remember kind of seeing um, uh, Kate Stockings' uh, work on uh, trying to develop that kind of uh, uh, helicoidal curriculum, looking at mapping concepts over, uh, over uh, key stage three and everything as well. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure I, I know many, many people have kind of appreciated people sharing those, those ideas um, openly because it does really allow people that are struggling perhaps that have this kind of carte blanche almost which is what the national curriculum have given you um to give to, to, to think about these things when they're when they're making the curriculum it come, comes to a question if you're trying to kind of just think about this in general i mean i don't know the answer to this question I, i'd like to know i would like to know now uh, to the extent in which other subject associations perhaps maybe in science or perhaps maybe in math etc the extent that they actually get involved in in the crafting of the curriculum as well so that's something maybe we could uh, um, I could do some little bit little research on away from that but I think um, I think what we've done there is a really good job of underlining the important role that um, they they play in the crafting the, the, the forming of uh, of knowledge um within a particular subject um but also the, really the community fascinated. aspect sorry i'm really, <laughs> sorry, really fascinated no. to hear more about other subject associations mm. because in my school i'm always raving about subject associations mm. and other people aren't so convinced and so it makes me think you know is it that they haven't engaged with their subject associations or is it that their subject associations aren't as good as the geographical association and the rgs so i would be fascinated if you can um unpick some of the mysteries of subject associations yes. that'd be fantastic 
Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, sort of listeners, uh, feel free to, to text in as well, listeners, if you are a member of, of a subject association yourself, and we can kind of tweet out uh, some of the feedback that you've got from your subject association. I think Catherine and I are, are going to be fairly biased on this because we both uh, are part of these uh, of the geographical sub subject associations and both think very, uh, very highly of them by, by, all, by all accounts. So we are, yeah, this, is, this is very biased. So we would like to hear from you at home. Um, you know, are you engaged in your subject association? If so, to what extent? And, and how do you how do you see their role in the, um, the 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 validation of knowledge, if you like, in your in your subject, but also the structuring of the various curricula? Fantastic. Um, right, Catherine. Let's move on to this uh, this next acronym. Ge uh, teaching is a is a is a minefield of acronyms, and geography is uh, no no uh, stranger to an acronym as well. So here we go. It's the G A I S I G. Find out what it means to me, uh, or what does it mean? Well, I've been raving about the Geographical Association, which is um, different from the RGS because the RGS is, um, you know, basically a very broad view of geography. A ge Geographical Association is primarily for um, geography teachers, whether you are teaching, you know, early years foundation stage or whether you're teaching in a university or, or teaching the teachers on initial teacher education. Mm. Um, that's what the Geographical Association focuses on. And when I was a little new teacher, I joined the GA and I went along to my first GA conference, which was back in probably 1995, it might have been, or 96. It was in Southampton. And I was just like, wow, yeah. um, it was amazing. And so I thought, you know, I want to get more involved in this organisation. And so for a while, I um, sort of, you know, did some little bits and bobs um, and was involved in, um, started doing a little bit of writing for the journal, um, but I was really keen to get more involved. So I was at, um, many years later, I was at another um, geographical association conference and there was an amazing speaker, Eleanor Rawling, um, who is a goddess of geography. And she was saying about, you know, get involved in your subject association. And I went up to her at the end of her talk and I said, Eleanor, I really want to get more involved. I really want to be more active in the GA. So we walked out of the lecture theatre together. And the first stand we came to in the exhibition area was the stand of the GA International Special Interest Group. And there's this amazing um, pair of people who have just become so important to me. Kevin and Adam were stood there at the stand. And Eleanor basically just said, OK, uh, Catherine wants to get more involved in the GA. Here she is. <laughs> and, um, and then Kevin and Adam talked to me about the International Special Interest Group. And it was just a great way to get really involved in doing much more practical um, activist work for the GA. The International mm. Group, as you can tell by the um, name, it's about thinking about um, how we teach about different places around the world. It's also about um, things like supporting educators from around the world to be able to do things like come to the Geographical Association Conference. So there's a small amount of funding that the GA has to be able to facilitate people coming. Um, so over the years, I've been involved in lots of different projects. Oh, we do a, we do a study tour. And so the next one's gonna be going out in the summer. We've had obviously a couple of years break in the study tours due to the pandemic. But we're hoping that next summer study tour is going to restart um, working with a company called Flugelbinder 
um, and the tour is going to Nicaragua. So, um, so the international group, yeah, all things to do with geography and international perspective. So Kevin was the chair. Uh, Kevin is Dr. Kevin Cook, uh, lecturer in international development from the um, University of Northampton until retiring recently. And um, he has been an absolute oh, inspiration to me, a real mentor, um, and has encouraged me to be able to have the confidence to do so many things. Sometimes when you're, you know, from a state school background and you're working the GA, which when I first started, it was quite heavily independent school background. I lacked the confidence. I thought, you know, can I really do this? And Kevin was always there going, yeah, you can. Um, so he's made a massive difference to me. And I became the secretary of the group for a bit. And then I became vice chair. And then Kevin stood down and I became the chair of the group. Kevin is still on the group. And the other name I mentioned is Adam Nichols, who you may have heard, he worked a long time ago now, but very influentially on thinking through geography with David Leeds. Oh, yes. and, um, and Adam is just the most amazing person. And when I first met him, he thought it was really funny because I was like, um, meeting you, Adam, is like meeting a, a pop star of geography. And he just <laughs> thought that was so hysterical. But I was like, I was like, wow. Um, and he's become just such a good friend. And again, it's just brilliant. You know, if I'm writing things, I'll uh, contact him to get advice. Um, and yeah, he's just mm. fantastic. So Kevin and Adam have been fantastic in building my confidence and um, supporting me through everything. And being chair of the International Special Interest Group has um, oh, it's just been amazing. Uh, we have supported teachers and coming to the GA conference from uh, Dominica, uh, Malawi, uh, Kenya, Uganda, uh, just wow. so many different places, uh, Palestine, um, China. Wow. And so that's amazing because these teachers come over to the conference. Um, we help with arrangements. Some of them we've set up some funding and then we, um, you know, we sort of, if they want to be very independent, that's fine. But if they, would like to you know go out for meals and things like that in the evening and be a bit hosted we do that as well so that's amazing the study tours have been all over the place over the years I've never actually been on one because my children were young um but um, I'm hoping to go on in the future so study tours have been to many many different locations and um yeah, it's it's just oh, it's been quite a roller coaster. It's, it's just been a bit. <laughs> I mean, the, the, those last five minutes for me was a bit of a, sounded like a bit of a roller coaster, just because like it's just palpable the 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 the, the passionate enthusiasm which is which is coming through it. Um, and there's a couple of things that I kind of that came to mind when when you were sort of talking through that there, Catherine. And it was the first one is is you know we'll we'll revert back to that question about why aren't other people more involved in their subject associations when you've got. The people that, that that you mentioned who are inspirational and who can give you confidence to to be better um, and just to, and, and to do and to challenge yourself and to do different things and 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 a subject association should be a, a hotbed of that shouldn't it be you know we're we're sharing ideas we're sharing um, experiences and it's those opportunities to share which really do fuel the, the 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 moving forward of the of the subject so again why why are people not so involved in their uh, in their subject associations uh, for that reason and 
I like I love the the idea that you that for the special interest group as well international special interest group that people are coming from all over the all over the place. I wonder if I might ask as well, does that also present an, an opportunity for them to also share their geographies as well? Um, so I can yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you've probably aware that at the geographical association conference there are teacher to teacher sessions um, mm. which are like you know sort of shorter sessions. Um, sometimes a bit more informal and so what we normally do if we have someone that's come over to the conference um and they've had a bit of funding for the GA and can I just do a little plug for Please that do. funding because if you go onto the geographical association website you will see that there is um the um, geographical association initiatives fund and applications need to be in I think it's by the end of August each year and it's not just for people from other countries to um, come over for conference it can be for lots of different reasons um, so it's really worth having a look if you are interested in developing a geography project um, it can also be used for people from this country to go to other places to uh, support geography education so it's really nice. worth a look and so what we do is we normally say to people you know if you're having this funding to be able to come over to conference we'd like you to do a teacher to teach session um, so you can interact with um, other delegates about uh, geography from your context and those sessions um, obviously I'm always at them because um, I'm hosting but uh, fantastic um, I've, I've missed out Tanzania we've had um, we've had a geographer come from Tanzania I remember his session really fondly um, but to be honest I think the one that absolutely just stuck in my memory and it was quite a long time ago now we have this amazing um, gentleman come over who was Tibetan but living in exile and he came over to the conference and he spoke about his experiences and what geography meant to him and I could have listened to him talking all day this very quietly spoken um ah so wise quite a young gentleman but mm. so full of wisdom and um he did his session and no one wanted it to finish everybody was just staying and ah. still talking um, and he was amazing and then I remember going out that evening we took him out for pizza and um, he'd never had pizza and it wasn't a particularly good pizza and he was like this is amazing we were like we need to take you out for really nice because this isn't even very good and so you know I just am really grateful because without the geographical association I wouldn't have had experiences like that amazing pizza yeah. experience <laughs> did he ask for one sorry about this but did he ask for one with everything <laughs> no well he was a vegetarian so oh, there we are. so yeah so just kept it simple but yeah, um, yeah I mean he was wow. just um an amazing gentleman um but like I say you know we've had we've had visitors come from lots of different places and it's amazing to have um them visit the conference mm. and take away learning but also we learn so much from them being able to visit and that's something yeah. that the geographical association is really looking at at the moment is um it's aware that in the past it's been very dominated by certain um groups so it's been um, very white um very mm. middle class mm. quite male dominated in the past and so the geographical association is really looking at the moment at ways to be able to um have a more diverse profile it's just really important Excellent. isn't it Oh, to bring all different voices to the table. Absolutely, and and you know it's it's the backbone of the subject as well, isn't it? The you know place being one of the the the, the central 
concept, if you like, in geography and, and, and recognizing the differences of, uh, of everyone from everywhere um, and hearing and making sure that they all have voice as well. So I, I feel that that, you know, particularly the work that you're doing, bringing people to the conferences from from all over the world and that opportunity to be able to kind of hear their story and hear how certain things have affected them, that kind of face to face, you know, something that we've obviously <laughs> missed a lot of, isn't it, over the last kind of 18 months, two years. Um, but that you can go you can go on YouTube and watch a video about somebody or you can get you know you can go read something or whatever but actually to have that human experience with somebody else um, and have them retell a story of what a particular event how it affected them and 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 the situation in their in their country or their region whether you know it's just magical and and we've 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 done a show on on, on service learning and 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 very much when we're, when we're working um, within within service um, the, this, the aha moment comes to students when they actually have that moment of realization when they're experiential when they're actually doing something. There's only so much you can read and 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 watch, but actually the the, the doing and, and and I think exactly what you've just said there is um, you know un, un, underpins all of that, doesn't it? Those those kind of coming together um, to, to to learn. Um, I'm just totally blown away. It's really, it's really great to hear that there's just such a a, a wealth uh, uh, of 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 richness within these within these uh, sort of face to face uh, conferences. Obviously, myself not had a uh, opportunities in the last ten years to to be face to face. So I was very appreciative last year when it when, when it was on when it was online. And we'll we'll talk about geography in the pandemic a little bit later. Um, Catherine, it's been absolutely fantastic so far. The time has gotten away from me a little bit. So uh, we're just going to go to a quick news break now. Um, and then when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more subject associations and mainly geography. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Cheshire, undercover police officers have been patrolling areas close to schools in an attempt to protect schoolgirls from harassment and abuse. Chief Constable Mark Roberts was present at the launch of the crime plan this week and said, we've been having covert plainclothes patrols around schools where schoolgirls on occasions have suffered abuse and some of the catcalling and unpleasant stuff that can go on. We've been doing that around schools within the county to try and ensure that we're keeping people safe. project led by Kingston University in London is offering school pupils an opportunity to engage with climate change research. Kingston University will host a group of Year 10 pupils from Spring West Academy and Logic Studio School in Feltham, Hounslow during COP26. Lecturers from the Department of Geology, Geography and the Environment will help pupils to create special stories with images, videos and text to document their climate change thoughts on an online platform called ArcGIS Story Maps. Dr Mary Kelly, 
geography course leader who came up with the idea said, producing these story maps will develop the school children's skills across a range of subject areas, from geography and science to digital skills and the arts, while raising their awareness of climate change and giving them a voice on the issues. The project is an excellent example of how the university works with schools. We want to increase knowledge about climate change among young people and give them a platform so they can produce their own account of what interests and concerns them. This project is part of a broader portfolio of outreach work where the university engages with school pupils across a range of STEM projects, which is a priority for schools and the government. This has been your daily education news briefing. Thank you very much for the news there, Gail. Uh, you join us on Teachers Talk Radio. I'm joined by Catherine Owen, uh, and we have had a really good discussion in the, in the first section about the role of subject associations and the, the, the power of them, perhaps maybe in shaping what is taught, uh, but also actually building that sense of community within a um, within a subject, uh, and we were we we were questioning, we were wondering, you know, if the Geographical Association and the RGS are as good as they as we are making as we are saying they are. Um, then what of the other subject associations? So do text in uh, if you have had experience with your subject association. If you regular, we might com be completely wrong, and there might be some absolutely fantastic ones out there. Um, so we would like to hear a little bit more from you. Um, so uh, before we just move on to that last section, um, the last section went on for a while for good reason, and that's because Catherine seems to be spinning an incredible amount of plates. Um, she is a, a teacher, first and foremost. Uh, she chairs, she parents, she writes. Um, and I think the question just before we move on there, Catherine, would be, is, is how do you keep all of those plates spinning? <laughs> um, that's a difficult one to answer because um, I think I do probably use my time very efficiently. Um, I think having children, um, that is something that um, when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time doing things and I could just sit down and writing. I love writing schemes of um, learning and I'd sit down with the scheme of learning and spend ages and ages and ages on it. And I think when you have children, um, you just have to learn to use your time really efficiently because um, you just don't have so much time. And um, what I found is that using my time efficiently and what I tend to do as well is I tend to ponder things. So when I'm driving in the car, I only have a short commute, but um, when I'm driving in the car or when I'm on break duty in the library or something, um, I'm pondering different projects I'm working on, which means I can get a lot of the thinking done at those wow. times. And then when I come to, you know, be actually writing something or doing something, I've already thought it through. So I think that makes my use of time very efficient. Um, I do have an incredibly supportive family. Um, my husband, um, Gary, is an absolute superstar and has always been brilliant in supporting my career. He's not a teacher, he's an engineer, and um, he's a very clever, very quiet person, um, very different personality to me, but you know, 
compliments. Opposites we compliment each other. Opposites attract. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so, you know, he's he's always been hugely supportive. And the children, bless them, have just grown up with geography as such a big part of their lives. Um, just on Monday, we were we went to visit my son at Southampton University. He's just started there doing marine biology. I'm incredibly proud of him going into wow. that area. Um, mm. That's Jack. And so we went to Southampton for the weekend to see him. And then on the way back, I planned a little road trip and we went via the New Forest and then we went to Old Harry Rocks and then we went to Lulworth Cove and then we went to Doodle Door. And my daughter, Megan, bless her, um, we had a lovely day, but she's like, um, you know, by the end of it, she was getting quite tired. Um, she's 15 and she's um, doing GCSE geography. And so um, it was a good experience for her, but bless her, she's hugely patient in putting up with mum getting incredibly excited about um, about going and seeing rocks so um yeah so I think you know I've got a supportive family I make yeah. efficient use of my time um yeah. I probably do, do overdo it um mm. I am probably not a great ambassador for well-being in that sometimes I take on too much mm. and I get very very tired but as I've got older I've also learned the importance of sometimes um you just got to stop and you've got to think right okay I need to give myself a little bit of a break because otherwise it's all going to get too much for me and I think yeah. you know I'm approaching 50 now and I think that I've um, you know developed more wisdom and I understand the importance now of having like on the weekends I don't do any work on Saturdays um, yes. I tend to work on Sundays when my children you know are normally doing their homework and we all work in the same room so it's very companionable um, but I have learned, you know, it's really important to have that downtime and it's really important to be aware of how you're coping mm. with everything, all the challenges life is throwing at you. And it's important to sometimes, um, I think I saw a quote somewhere that says something like she knew she could, but she wanted a cup of tea or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes yes. you've just got to think, yeah, I could do that. I could get involved in that. But to be honest, I'm starting to run out of capacity um yeah. i'm starting to get tired i actually at this point just need to sit down and have yeah. a cup of tea and chillax and yes. um so yeah so i think you you can do a lot of things but you have to be very careful and i think uh, just building on exactly what you said there i think that you as you become more experienced uh and and have 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 experience of doing lots of things you can actually then be a little bit more selective about the you know you, you said you sort of being efficient with your time but actually being efficient with what you what you choose to dedicate your time to as well if you see the you know the the, the benefits of you know for example with the the isig you know you want to invest more time in that because you get more out of it yourself it's kind of like that reciprocal that mutually reciprocal relationship in in, in terms of what you're putting your timing and you know it's, it's it's like planning a scheme of work you know yes you could spend hours um but actually you could probably deliver the same sort of <laughs> same sort of out, outcome uh, by spending half the amount of time on it as well and, and, and get the same sort of outcome so it's being perhaps maybe a little bit more um yeah experience about making those decisions I think that idea of having that family hub that geography centric um support hub is is it sounds like it's been absolutely uh, essential um for you to be able to take on everything that you've taken on um but at the same time knowing as you just said there yourself you know knowing when to say do you know what I've got to take the foot off the gas a little bit here um it's important that you kind of have that little bit of rest and, and, and relaxation. Um, but to, to been on the end of that as well, for myself, um, 
I've, I think I've sort of, I, I, I empathize completely because I feel that I've gone along that similar sort of route in a way. And I've gotten to that realization where, yes, there is times, there are times where you, sh- you know, Saturday you should not work on, but it's difficult sometimes as, as a teacher because you, you've marked off that time and said, right, I'm not working on Saturday. And yet the tasks that you've got to do are still on your shoulder. Um, and, and so that's that's an issue in itself you know there's there's this um is it brian tracy's eat that frog isn't it it's kind of like you know if you've got a list of 10 things to do you do the you do the hardest longest taking one first and then the other nine are a breeze otherwise if you do it the other way around then you've always got that kind of uh, monkey on your shoulder um i i think as well that this finally on that is that the for me i find sort of reading books around geography or around pedagogy etc actually quite relaxing as well and it might sound a little bit strange but as a hobby um do during my downtime I do like to think about um how I'm going to teach something or so so where where do you sit with that is is that okay to do that yeah well the thing is I just I just think that the most important thing is to just be aware of yourself really isn't Mm. it and to reflect Mm. on when you're spending time doing something, is it something that's recharging you or is it something that's draining you? And um, what I love to read is um, books which are set in different contexts around the world. So for example, one of my favorite authors is um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie um, because she sets her books um, in Nigeria and also Americana is set between America and Nigeria. And I love reading books where I'm, you know wrapped up in the story but Mm. also I'm learning a huge amount about the context so um so I read a lot of books set in different parts of the world Mm. um some of them which might be factual books some of them which might be uh you know fiction uh, but I just love um you know books that embed you in the culture of different places and you just by the time you've finished reading the book you've had an amazing time reading the story but you've also mm. learned a lot and so that's what I tend to do a lot in downtime so it is geography related yes but is, it, is, is that but a form of escapism well. almost as well is that it's not because you it's a form of kind of being somewhere else um taking yourself out of your own context perhaps maybe and using yet that your imagination of being somewhere else and like you said yes it is that is very much geography uh, as well Beautiful, beautiful, fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Catherine. It's, uh, I, I, I'm glad that you kind of highlighted that as a, a, a as an as an issue because it is, you know, you you do you you are you do seem very very busy. Um, but like you said, acknowledging that you know we can't do everything all the time, and knowing that there you know there are different competing demands on our time, and and being a little bit more select selective of what we what we need to do when we need to do it. Are you good at working towards deadlines and things? Are you, how, yeah. how's your deadlines? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't tend to miss deadlines, which um, which has also, I think, helped with me being offered quite mm. a lot of work because um, I've got, hopefully, a reputation for being pretty reliable. Um, but the thing is that, you know, I do have a lot of different plates I'm spinning. So I just have to be very careful that I don't take on too much. Um, yes. And sometimes I do a little bit and then I'm a bit like, ah. uh, but um, yeah, I think another thing as well, I just want to mention is um, my department um, mm. because I'm head of geography at the King Alfred School and Academy in um, Somerset. And my department are amazing because they are always up for doing um 
lots of different things you know when I'm like hey let's do this uh, they're fantastic but they also as well particularly I've got a member of my, my department called Karen and sometimes she'll just say Catherine slow down um, <laughs> and to have amazing colleagues who will always be supportive of you but will also tell you when you're taking on too much mm. that is more precious than diamonds and gold you know it's just um it's just so so important and I've got a um a quite a new teacher in my department Jacob who also is just a very caring person and mm. and would just say uh Catherine are you sure are you sure this is something you should be doing and um I'm just very very lucky to have yes. people like that everybody needs a Karen and a Jacob in their lives don't they oh yeah that's the bigger picture isn't it stepping back hey listen let's let's uh let, let's let's move let's move on now um as you know the COP26 uh, conference is underway um, and uh, we're going to hopefully before we run out, before we run out of time at the end of the show uh, hopefully uh, have a little bit of a discussion about your thoughts on on, on cop 26 we've we've gone through a couple of uh, i've got we had a show last week with with aim high earth and we've got another couple of shows coming up which are all going to be centering on on the uh, on cop 26 so i'll be interested to hear your thoughts on it uh, but before we do well, let's um let's indulge ourselves in the geography uh, uh, once more and 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 i'd like a, a reflection of you really of, of perhaps maybe what um how the pandemic has in, has impacted the study or the teaching of geography uh, but also perhaps maybe some opportunities that may have come up as a result from it so there's kind of a two two-pronged question there so what are the, what have been the how has the pandemic impacted geography but also what are some of the 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 opportunities that have arisen in terms of geography teaching i think the thing that probably has hit us hardest over the pandemic has been a lack of field work mm. um that has been something which is such a shame particularly the school i teach at um some of the children don't tend to have a lot of opportunities to go very far um, in their own time. It's a seaside town. And so during the holiday season, parents are often very, very busy in their jobs. Um, so geography trips are a chance to go somewhere different um, and engage with different landscapes, different people, different contexts. And so, you know, that's really sad that we weren't able to do that for a couple of years. Um, I think, though, the pandemic itself has made people realize how important it is to understand our world and understand our interconnectedness and sorry interconnectedness yes. and um what i've really noticed as well as a teacher of geography and sociology is that people are much more aware now of inequalities uh at a local scale uh, at a national scale and a global scale so whilst the pandemic has been obviously had a massive impact particularly on field work but also on the way we've been able to teach lessons in the classroom that has been really challenging uh, again the geography community whether on twitter or through subject associations rallied around and people were sharing ideas and people have been very supportive but it was it was hugely tough but i think that it sounds awful really when we've got such huge challenges in society like inequalities, uh, climate change, um, the pandemic, but it really is the time of geography because mm. geography is the subject which enables students to be able to gain understanding of these di different issues, but also it's a synoptic subject. So students mm. might be learning about things like the spread of a virus um, in biology. Um, they might be learning about things like climate change, uh, the 
the science of it but in geography it's that synoptic subject where you're pulling it together so that children can start to connect different elements of the ideas that they've got and as you mentioned earlier the sense of place the fact that they can then apply their understanding in relation to real places and start to gain that rich understanding of the issues so yeah so whilst we are living in a time with so many challenges geography is such an important subject at this time it is and and, and uh, Sarah from last week was reflecting on the same thing in the way that uh, you know climate, we were talking specifically about the climate crisis but it isn't just a, a geography issue it's not just something that all geographers have the have the uh, the, the, the responsibility of, of, of supporting it is all of the subjects essentially just teaching in teaching oh, in general definitely. right shaping those the sort of uh, attitudes and uh, towards the issue yeah and um, my school has been um, really good in developing ideas in that more whole school idea um, for example I did a teaching and learning briefing every Tuesday morning um, we have a teaching and learning briefing which is like just a 10-15 minute input uh, We've got a vice principal, Seb, who is amazing, who is um, a geographer and he leads the teaching and learning briefings and brings in different people to present them. And I did one on climate change. And the idea was, you know, to say to the whole of the staff, look, you know, this this is an issue that's affecting all of us. And I was just thrilled that after I did that teaching and learning briefing, I had emails from people, people coming up and having conversations with me saying oh I think we could maybe look at this through poetry in English the art department in my school do an amazing plastic pollution project with the students in year nine and they were saying you know how can we make this so it's got more sort of theory behind it um just yeah. I was blown away by the enthusiasm of people to collaborate and yes. make our teaching of climate change across the school st mm. really strong and so of course we're now um we're now halfway through the cop um talks for this year and next week i'm actually going into assemblies for all the different year groups and going to be talking about what's going on mm. uh, also as well i have got an interesting um thing happening on sunday where i am going to go in and do a sermon in our local church, which uh, the vicar got in touch and said, would I come in because he wanted to have a climate Sunday. Uh -huh. um, so I'm going to go in and then hopefully also as well, my school has got an eco group. So hopefully some students will be able to come along as well. Um, I'm going to talk about climate change for about 15 minutes as part of the sermon mm. and then be around afterwards to answer questions in the community. Um, parts of my catchment area are very deprived areas. And mm. so the church in the area is basically saying to me, you know, what can we do to be able to have initiatives which are going to tackle climate change in our community, but mm. are also going to be things that are going to be relevant to people living in an area where there are pockets of real deprivation. And yeah. I thought that was fantastic that they were thinking that way, because actually, to be honest, the poorer people are the people that are doing least to cause climate change, but mm are always the ones that suffer the worst consequences, whether we're looking on a local level or nationally or globally. Yes. And thinking about ideas like um, maybe asking our local housing association where, um, you know, a lot of the children that I teach live in houses owned by a housing association. What are they doing about things like making sure the houses have got really good insulation? Mm. Um, you know, questions like that could be really important. Maybe the church can organize things like um, clothes swaps 
so that instead of fast fashion chuck it in the bin you know people yes. are sharing um swapping clothes that's brilliant for climate change but it's also fantastic for people in a community who um maybe haven't got enough money to be able to just go and buy all the latest clothes absolutely and and i that, that's a, just a, a tsunami of ideas there i think in terms of what, <laughs> what, a, what what a community can do to kind of tackle climate change and it's interesting that you you, you kind of say that these some of these things are kind of you wouldn't directly link to climate change either as well would you you know the close what you wouldn't necessarily connect those dots and I think that's where the education part comes in um I spoke to a, a, a guy um who who has a, an organization called teaspoons of change or it's more of a concept or anything and it's exactly that it's it's everyone do, does, does that tiny little that little teaspoon thing and then when you multiply that up that that becomes significant action and but, but but I think it's also important to fill in the gap there and and show that through th this action how it how it is helping how everyone is paying a part because I think that's what some people feel kind of almost powerless to do like well it's only little old me I what what, what can I do how am I going to stop the planet from warming one and a half degrees you know uh, and the answer is it, it's those it's those little teaspoons those tiny little things which you might not think are significant but by the fact by you doing them and then other people seeing you doing them and and communities getting together to to, to do these three things it's uh, it's that kind of bottom up um uh, ad addressing of, of of the issues the thing is that um you know it's important we do think about the teaspoons but also we need to think about the bigger things like i say you know if we mm. can if we can ask Looking at local housing providers about insulation and maybe um, nudge them to think about improving the insulation in houses that can make a massive difference so it's asking questions of organizations it's um challenging the status quo it's yes. thinking about you know yeah i will do my my little teaspoon but also mm. bigger organizations they shouldn't just be doing teaspoons they need to yes. be doing buckets <laughs> so, <laughs> so buckets of I just think, yeah but i think that um i'm just one of the reasons i love my school so much is we're the only school in the town and so we're very much part of the community and mm. i love the fact that we are working with organizations like the local church um, with the local primary schools as well we do work um if everyone starts pulling together, then we can really make a difference. But we do need at COP26, this is where we do need the leaders um, to be making, I don't know, go beyond buckets of change, swimming pools of change, <laughs> because, um, yes. you know, it's all very well us as doing our teaspoons. But this is where it's um, going to be interesting by the end of COP26 to see how much change people are actually committing to at that level. Absolutely. Now, we'll hold that thought because we're just going to go to a quick ad break and then we'll be back to finish off by looking at exactly that, the swimming pools of change. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. 
Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back to Teachers Talk, Talk Radio. Uh, Catherine Owen and I have been chewing the fat on subject associations uh, and also uh, waxing lyrical about how great our subject is and our subject association is and asking questions about other subjects and hope, hoping that there are other subject associations out there uh, which uh, do as much for their subject as, as we feel that ours does. Um, we were also kind of talking there just before the, the, the break about the impact of the pandemic on the, on the subject of, of geography itself. Um, interested to hear and feel free to text in as well to the show. Uh, perhaps maybe how your subject has been affected so much by the pandemic. Um, maybe it's just the practical subjects I'm, I, I'm thinking, but, you know, actually, you know, whether you've been online learning, remote learning, in, out, in, out, whatever, it's going to have affected the sub our subjects one way or another. Um, uh, but as we spoke about, you know, there are opportunities that come from this. There are opportunities and uh, that do come from this. And I think that's the best way in which we should go about this, really. You know, it's, it's happened. Um, you know, we've, 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 ridden the, the we've ridden the storm for a while and i'm not saying that we're necessarily fully out of it just yet but we need to try to make some some positive strides uh towards uh the old new new old normal um and and one thing that we spoke about to enable us to get back here or certainly to to ensure a more sustainable future is the fact that yes we need to make our teaspoons of change everyone does their little bit but we also need to we need to have that kind of top down um the, we need to be empowered to be able to make those uh, make those make those changes as well and that is why the uh conference of the parties 26 are meeting right now as we speak. Um, and if I just uh, ask you there, uh, Catherine, really, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, are, what are your aspirations, I guess, for, for, for the outcome of, of, of COP26 as a, as a geographer and maybe as a parent and as a, as a global citizen as well? Wow, those are quite big <laughs> questions. Um, I, I want to see not just promises being made, but promises being kept. Mm. I think this is something that worries me hugely is that how much politicians can be swayed by saying something that makes a lovely little soundbite and it gets the headlines, but then do they actually follow through on it? And I'd like to see um, people making commitments that they're actually committed to. I think that um, it's a real shame when we have countries that have so much and we are the countries that have contributed so much to these issues and then there's so much you know toing and throwing about you know oh well we shouldn't do this unless this country does this but what about them they aren't doing this and we need some really brave leaders to step forward and talk about the thoughts that are going through their minds, the different things that they're weighing up, but then making difficult decisions. It's not easy, yeah. um, but we need we need concrete decisions being made, but then which are committed to. I mean, like I um, 
was saying earlier, my son is gone off to university to study marine biology because he is so concerned about what's happening to the oceans. Mm. He's particularly interested in the uh, mangroves and how they have been removed in so many places. And that has led to massive impacts on the ecosystems, but also has removed a natural coastal defence. So things like investment in replanting mangroves, that's something which the more wealthy countries could contribute money towards, which would make a massive, massive difference to communities that are living in those threatened coastal areas. Mm. And a lot of those communities weren't the people that were burning the fossil fuels that have created this problem. Oh. So it's it's about people giving back, uh, people thinking as a global community. It's a lot to think about. It's not something you can just say, oh, well, I want this, this and this, because there's a lot of different things to weigh up. But it is about thinking about the world, valuing different people. Um, I've got a lot of connections with Uganda and my friends in Uganda, you know, they have very different opportunities in their lives to me, but they are amazing, wonderful, valuable people uh, as people are all around the world. So I think if we start thinking about people all around the world, landscapes all around the world and how amazing and special and valuable they are and protecting places around the world, rather than just thinking in our little boxes, I think that would make a massive difference. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, definitely what I take from what you've just said then is that idea of that brave leadership is what's needed. I think, yes, commitment to things, but actually actions and sometimes actually, I suppose, some, you know, a, a leader needs to do something um, without having said, you know, thought about what other countries are doing this, that and the other to kind of show, but lead by example, isn't it? Lead by example and do something, fund something. You know, there was what, $100 billion, which were promised from the high income countries to low income countries uh, back in 2015. And, and that hasn't been fulfilled. And in even that we've had an extra year to be able to, to scrape those coins together. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I think leadership, absolutely. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of, there has been in the build up to, to COP26, lots of hype, a lot of criticism, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, uncertainty perhaps. And I think if, if we were to just to take that one message away from what you said here, that, that idea of brave, brave leadership, I think is, uh, is definitely what is needed because it is a complete, for some countries, for some heads of state, it is a complete mindset shift. It's a complete change from you know, moving away from capitalism and, 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 and just looking at, you know, looking after oneself, you know, that nationalistic approach. Um, it, it, it's a complete paradigm shift for some countries. It's easier for, for, for some, but it's a real challenge for others. And it'll be interesting to see what happens the day, uh, is it the 12th, the, 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 the last day it finishes? Is that right? The thing is, the thing is as well, though, is whenever this finishes, it's it's just the meeting for this year, isn't it? Because it's it's mm. COP26 and there'll be COP27 and COP28. And what we really need to be seeing is um, progress being made and it needs to be rapid progress. And I think that we've put a lot of attention onto COP26 because of it being located in Glasgow. And so people are thinking, you know, oh, this is an important one. But actually, wherever it's held, um, it is only important if change results. Mm. Absolutely. I think that is uh, 
very, very fundamental. It, there needs to be, uh, in the words of Peter Thunberg, is uh, blah, 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 a little bit less blah, 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 and a little bit more action. Um, Catherine, um, I'm just looking at the time there. We have to leave it there, unfortunately, but I think um, it's been an absolutely fascinating discussion with you. I've so enjoyed talking with you, listening to you, the amount of energy and enthusiasm. You spoke um, at the beginning of the show about, you know, becoming a teacher as a result. Was it, was it Mr. George? Um, yeah. And, and I'm, just think, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all of your students in your classroom and how many, you know, you're like Mr. George, I'm sure, to, to many of the students that have had the, the, the pleasure of you being their teacher. I can really just pick up on that vibe and that kind of that, that passion and that energy and that, that commitment to, 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 to geography. So, so I'd like to thank you so much for, for coming on to the show in the first place. And secondly, for showing your, sharing your, um, your wise words and, and, and experiences within the subject association uh, and indeed your, your, your passion for, 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 the, uh, for the world itself. Oh, absolute pleasure, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, take care, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.